This is W T M. Watch this movie. What? <laughs> How you doing? Oh, good for you. Oh, wait. Are you drinking up? First, you gotta do the trouble shuffle. Obviously, you're not a golfer. Watch a few movies, take a few notes. W G M. Watch this movie. Welcome back to a brand new episode of WTM Watch This Movie. I am Eric Mulder. Some of us pump, and some of us slump. Joining me, as always, is Mr. Positivity himself, Wolfie T. You want to talk? We'll talk. I'm a sucker for good conversation. What's up? Just uh, barely survived Barbenheimer. We made it. You barely survived it. I mean, that bomb hits you. Mm-hmm. In IMAX, it rattles your cage. Spoiler alert: they they dropped the bomb, <laughs> not on Japan, although it's alluded to. Speaking of which, uh, <laughs> you know, Japan's supposedly Japan's been getting pretty upset with all the Barbenheimer memes. Oh yeah, and so like they're like, well, we're gonna do some nine eleven memes. <laughs> Meanwhile, everyone here is like, those are hilarious. <laughs> no, right. <laughs> like, does this hurt you? And it's like the uh Barbie hanging out in front of the twin towers. <laughs> it's like, no. <laughs> uh Osama bin Laden is holding up Barbie and we're like yeah, that's pretty funny. <laughs> like you were aware that was 23 years ago. We're <laughs> we're at the point where we can laugh at it. Yeah. South Park said what it was like 22.6 <laughs> years or something. Yeah, it was when they when they decided it was okay to make AIDS AIDS jokes again. Yeah, well technically it's only been 22 years, Brett, since 9-11. Uh, yeah, I almost 22 years. I've been uh up for a really long time, so <laughs> uh I'm positive that my internet will uh make it through this entire recording hopefully after failing us earlier and the enola gay dropping the big one that was that was in the 40s if memory serves <laughs> 1945 to be exact so it's a bit longer than 2001 it's just you're saying get over it japan <laughs> we're friends well, now yeah obviously it's a bigger deal than uh, 9-11 but well i, I don't get the uh, i don't know maybe we could talk about it later but i don't get the there's no japanese representation in the movie about oppenheimer (laughs) yeah (laughs) it's it's about him (laughs) and his life and him working on the american side of the war they don't even show anything in the war itself other than like the you know the strategy of like building the bomb and picking where to drop it. Mm-hmm. Where where did the Japanese people fit into that three-hour film? Yeah, I, I can see where the Japanese would think that the memes are in poor taste, but they shouldn't really feel that the movie's in poor taste because it doesn't show, uh, it, doesn't show it being <laughs> dropped in Japan. It's not very pro-bomb. Well, if anything, the character of Oppenheimer is uh, 
sympathetic to the Japanese. It's the, it's President Truman who is unsympathetic. That scene is pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> is that a spoiler to talk about who played Truman? Um, I didn't know he was in there. I don't even remember who played Truman. <laughs> Somebody from one of the next films we're going to do on the show. Not Virtuosity. Leon the Professional. Oh, I see. I gotta look it up because I honestly don't remember. There's so many people in that movie. I didn't recognize Robert Downey Jr. And uh, <laughs> I'm pretty sure I saw an article with pictures of him like a year ago. And I made a joke about like him, you know, he shouldn't play that role because they should just get a real old guy to do it. Although he, Downey's pretty old. No, I knew right away that was Robert Downey because I had recognized him in the trailers, but you'll have to remind me. I may be misremembering the trailer. Wasn't there a shot in the trailer where Strauss bangs the table? Like he's pissed off or wants to I you don't even remember the trailer. Well, I, I actually, I, I remembered, because we were talking about what studio put it out, because it... it Nolan used to always be with Warner Brothers, and then like mm-hmm. he got pissed at them for dropping Tenet in the middle of the pandemic, <laughs> and uh, it didn't save the movies. But uh, I remembered they first showed the Oppenheimer trailer before the movie Nope, but it was like after all the uh, trailers in Ballyhoo, and so like I knew Nope was about like Hollywood stuff. Because it was about like the stunt horse or you know the the Hollywood horse ranch, yeah. And so this trailer starts, and I think it's part of the movie for about a minute and a half, and then it's like Christopher Nolan, Oppenheimer, and then the Universal logo starts playing. And I'm like, wait a minute, was that not part of the movie? <laughs> this is this is not like Tropic Thunder where they just have like three or four like fake trailers at the beginning of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> fatties part two we need a fatties franchise because as another movie we were about to talk about barbie had to cut out the fart opera and uh the fatties franchise would give it us the fart opera the fart opera i don't know if i'm aware of this of you didn't see you all speak. the stories about the fart opera and how greta gerwig was so thought it was so hilarious and then like they tested it and nobody laughed at it I did not see these stories. I guess I wasn't uh, keeping up with all the ins and outs of Barbie. There's a lot of Barbie stories the last two weeks. That was one of them that was passed around a lot. All right. Well, uh, this is a recently seen episode, and we will discuss Barbenheimer and a few other films. Brett completed the movie challenge for Octopussy, but uh, also excited to reveal that we're recording an episode on virtuosity with our friends from across the pond, Movie Drum. Yes. It's been about a year and a half since they joined us for Short Circuit. But um, yeah, excited to have them back. Um, we still have the and the professional to go after that, as well as uh, Stargate. Stargate with Zolly Becker, supposedly. I've heard tell that he's going to be on that episode. So. <laughs> Uh, be prepared for that. And you've never seen Stargate, correct? I've never seen Stargate. I've I've always never wanted to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> what about the show? 
no i i think i didn't want to watch the movie because i thought it was gonna be too related to the show and the show did not appeal me to me whatsoever based on the advertising i saw for it well after you watch it then you can rewatch the imagination land episodes uh in south park because they use a stargate to get in between the worlds you know <laughs> so they have some stargate jokes I don't know how complicated it is, but I, I kind of feel like I, I understood. They explained it enough for <laughs> me to get an idea of the connection there. And if I recall, they even had the the cast from Stargate SG-1 <laughs> go into Imagination Land. <laughs> well, I think they got Kurt Russell to go. Yeah, maybe it was Kurt Russell. Okay. For a second, I thought maybe it was Richard Dean Anderson. Minnesota's own Richard Dean Anderson. Yeah. 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 AKA MacGyver. Yeah. He went to my alma mater, SCSU, although I heard he did not graduate from that school. Yeah. That's, uh, but he did grace its halls. Sounds about right. SCSU, home to many racial instance. Instance? <laughs> Incidences. In- incidents. Yeah, there was a uh, a mass stabbing at the mall a few years back. Because that's probably was it, was it a stabbing or was it a shooting? Because I, I I remember that it happened, and then somebody uh, some bar had a sign that said they should have put up a gun free zone sign and <laughs> would have stopped it. <laughs> or maybe that was something. Maybe those are two unrelated events. Yeah, I think it was a it was a knife. You might be right. I think the sign was in relation to some other shooting. And they're like, well, they should put a, a gun-free zone sign. And then they couldn't have had a mass shooting there. It definitely led to a racially charged atmosphere in the St. Cloud area for a while. Because it was a it was a Muslim immigrant who stabbed several people at the mall. But, um, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I uh, St. Cloud was uh, one of the schools I looked at. But even back then, like they had uh, kind of a reputation of being kind of racist. You got a racist. <laughs> it's like the Boston, Minnesota. <laughs> <laughs> See, I've, I've, uh, I've kind of. I mean, from where from where you come from, they're probably pretty enlightened. <laughs> no, everyone's nice where I come from, but um, no, I've kind of heard some of those stories since I've. Like move down to the cities, like oh yeah, St. Cloud, they're pretty bunch of racist hicks up there, and it's like it's the second most populous area in the in the state, and it's you know a big college town. There's plenty of liberal people there, um, but uh, yeah, I've kind of heard you the froze up a, you mm. you froze up a bit there. Mm. Maybe it was you that froze up, Rhett. Well, I, I don't know. Your picture was frozen and your audio cut out for a bit. And then uh, I was I was still moving. <laughs> you you weren't on mine, not on my screen. <laughs> so anyways, you, you heard the stories. I heard the stories, but before I went, you know, I didn't really hear anything. But like you said, where I come from, <laughs> it's a very rural area. And I don't think people are spreading rumors about St. Cloud, <laughs> how racist they are. Well, I don't know if it was rumors. There was just a, there was a few incidents there that, uh, yeah, I think there were some clan members that live up there and were clan members? Getting, getting pretty rowdy. What are you talking about clan members? <laughs> yeah, they're like a clan chapter up there. 
<laughs> totally don't. <laughs> I mean, this was this was uh, you know many years ago. This now. was in the teens. <laughs> The 19s. This is approximately uh, (laughs) 15 to 20 years ago now. Uh, But yeah. uh, I've never heard that there's a a clan chapter up there. No. I don't remember the specifics, but there was was some activity up there that was... uh, I've heard about some backwards thinking people, but not clan members. Anywho. (laughs) You probably just cut that whole part out. (laughs) Um, we're, we're a very progressive state here in Minnesota. <laughs> they opened up to the uh, if you want an abortion or a underage uh, gender transition, Minnesota is your place to come. Apparently, we, and you we, can get uh, high while you're doing it too. Yes, you can't buy or sell weed, but you can have and smoke it. Yeah, you can buy and sell it, uh, not for another year. I thought there's a moratorium on uh, selling it now. No. Uh, perhaps the flower proper, but not edibles. Well, edibles are different. They're, they've been legal for like a year. Yeah, but those are only the, the five milligrams, the, the weak edibles. But I just saw the news yesterday that somebody got shut down for selling plants. Yeah. Plants might be a different uh, animal, but I've... Uh, I was I was in one of the the shops, and they had edibles with gummies that were like 150 milligrams each. That's like a that's like an atomic bomb of, of an edible. If you ask me, <laughs> I wouldn't dare try anything like that. I forget where I saw it, but uh, I saw that Snoop Dogg says he doesn't do edibles because there's no off switch. <laughs> <laughs> Well, there's not really an off switch if you smoke it either. There's just that the edibles last longer. Well, there's no control because like the edibles are, uh, you know, I, I guess you can regulate it more when you're smoking. It was was the thing that he was getting yeah. at. Yeah. What would Snoop know about weed? I don't know. He quit years ago. I remember <laughs> he went on TV and said he's going to stop doing it. Anywho, so yeah, we got a lot of uh, exciting things in the works. Uh, Stargate will conclude our summer series on 90s action films and then we'll probably do another recently seen and then uh, it'll be episode 300 and we're going to be talking Pulp Fiction and have some Pulp Fiction, everybody's favorite (laughs) at least one if not two special guests so be prepared for that and that's going to leak into our what is usually known as our horror extravaganza which begins in September however we're just going to move the extravaganza a little bit. Probably go from about mid-September to mid-November. Since we don't really do shit in November anyways. Yeah. In the past couple years, it seems like our horror films have kind of blended to November anyways. Last year it did. And I think the year before it did because your apartment got flooded or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that was... Uh, it was, uh, it was 2020. 2020. Yeah, we didn't record for like a, like a whole month. <laughs> It was like all of October. <laughs> I, was, I was essentially homeless. <laughs> Although they claim that I that my my apartment was livable, even though they ripped out all the walls and ceilings and put a bunch <laughs> of fucking industrial uh, dehumidifiers in there. 
cranked up the heat. It was a hundred degrees in my apartment. I was like, yeah, go ahead, live there. It's fine. <laughs> uh, we had that problem at work not too long ago with, uh, you know, the, the the leaking water from the roof ran down the walls for like multiple floors, and or was it like a bathroom flooded or something? It was not the roof. It was a bathroom on like the second to top floor. And it got down to our floor, and then it stopped. But uh, they had those big air dryers, and <laughs> I'm sure they had one or two of those in your apartment. Oh my god, they didn't. They didn't really have those, but they had these. It looks like a fucking like washing machine size, and it's a dehumidifier, and it just like sucks all the moisture out of the the walls and the air is that what a dehumidifier does yes it, does that. <laughs> it, it takes the humidity out of the air <laughs> as you freeze up i'm gonna wait till you start moving again oh hey no this one is me this one said your internet connection okay. is unstable this is the first time it said it though now you sound like you're on speed <laughs> Anyways, yes, there was like three of those in my apartment. And uh, when they're running 24-7, they get very hot. (laughs) Okay, well, let's cut out the chit-chat and get straight to Barbenheimer. What did you see, Clarice? What did you see? You completed the movie challenge for to Pussy, so we'll talk about five movies in total. So let's, let's get Barbenheimer out of the way. I guess we'll start with Barbie. Came out in the year of our Lord, 2023. Directed by Greta Gerwig. Starring Margot Robbie, Ryan Gosling, Issa Rae, Kate McKinnon, Alexandra Ship, Emma Mackey, Hari Neff, Sharon Rooney, uh, Will Ferrell, world-renowned movie superstar Simu Liu. Who? Oh. <laughs> I heard he got a job at like Starbucks or something. <laughs> Simu Lu <laughs> or Devin think... Farachi? No, uh, international superstar Simu. Uh, I believe it's Liu, but Liu? Uh, who, who am I to say? <laughs> We've been hearing about how much of a how big of a star he is the past couple of years. Or since the, the Ten Rings or whatever. But I digress. Also starring Michael Sarah and Brett's favorite wrestler, John Cena. My safe word is keep going. I think they'll do it for cast. Synopsis. Barbie suffers a crisis that leads her to question her world and her existence. You and I both heard all the stories. Uh, it's feminist AF. We're not allowed to watch it. Well, we're not allowed to enjoy it. It wasn't it uh was it Wonder Woman or Captain Marvel when it was like, hey, <laughs> women's only screenings. <laughs> this is for us. <laughs> wasn't that Wonder Woman or was that Captain Marvel? I, I want to say it's Wonder Woman. Um, are you thinking Black Panther and like white people stay home? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I believe that uh, occurred then too, but I think when Wonder Woman came out there, they were uh, they were opining that 
there should be some women's only screenings or that there in fact were female only screenings. I think that might have been Captain Marvel, but I'm not sure. Okay. Captain Marvel definitely cooked the books. Hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. That movie sucks. <laughs> All those uh screens were yeah, it was weird. There was exactly 25 no shows. Huh, <laughs> weird. Opening weekend. Wow. And and all the uh, <laughs> all the the uh, confirmed uh, viewers that rated it on uh, Rotten Tomatoes had the exact same review of it. <laughs> the exact same review. That's so funny. Like, oh, all these trolls are are review bombing this movie, and they haven't even seen it. And it was like, I've seen the positive review bombs. Because <laughs> right. I'm copied and pasted a thousand times. <laughs> so you both do it. Why is it it only happens for certain movies? It's like, I mean, I there's trolls for every movie, I'm sure, but there's really not as many as you think. And yeah. if it were the case, then they'd do it to every Marvel movie. Right. Why aren't they doing it to every Marvel movie? Well, it's a sexism thing, because... Yeah, Captain I know, but Mar- it's also... Captain Marvel was the only female uh, Marvel movie that ever came out. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, Black Panther, it's, uh, it's racism, and Especially with the uh, with the Little Mermaid, I know that's not Marvel, but it's still Disney. This is just the movie studios, you know, cooking it up for free publicity. That's all it is. Just wait till the new Snow White comes out. They want everyone to prove that they're not racist or sexist by going to the movie. Uh, speaking of uh, the new Snow White, it was funny that Wee Man <laughs> was basically putting Peter Dinklage in his place and Disney. Took them to task. What he he says? What is it? Uh, Snow White and the Seven Average People. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. Uh, I didn't really see what he's said about it. Hornswoggle's been pretty outspoken since Peter mm-hmm. Dinklage uh, sure. forced them to fire all the little people from the cast. Well, I saw a headline the other day about little person actor so and so taking Disney to task, saying basically, "Why did you take our jobs?" Yeah, so you took seven roles away from little people actors who really don't have much else to go out for because you don't get hired for like regular roles. Mm. And then I, I saw that another article again, a follow up, and it was Wee Man from Jackass. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I was like you're not really an actor, though. <laughs> no, I mean he acts in skits in Jackass, so I, I guess he's an actor, but. I've never seen him in anything other than Jackass. Yeah, I was going to say, outside of Jackass, what has he done? Probably just played himself. There's also people pissed off about Hugh Grant portraying an Oompa Loompa. <laughs> As they should be. <laughs> As they should be. I, The first thing I thought when I saw that was Peter Dinklage strikes again. <laughs> what a pretentious asshole. <laughs> oh. He won't rest until he's the only dwarf in Hollywood. <laughs> uh, oh, are we talking ba- about back to my, my back to my larger point? Now, if these people are so racist and sexist that they want to destroy Captain Marvel and Black Panther and Ten Rings and basically anything that stars people of color, don't you think that would turn them off to Disney and Marvel in general? If we want them to have every movie of theirs fail. So why aren't they doing that? Well, that's the direction things are going. <laughs> but it's also because the general public is just sick of Disney's shit. <laughs> so you haven't put out a good movie in like 15 years. 
a haunted mansion came out and I saw that headline where it said it cost, I think 150 million or 200 million. It was like 130 million, I think. But like, then it made like 30 million at the box office worldwide. It was, I think 33 <laughs> million so bad. worldwide. I went to a early screening of that and it, it was in the Dolby theater uh, at AMC and I, they felt maybe a, a little uh, under half, maybe about half of the theater, but there were a lot of Disney adults there and not a lot of kids. And it's not really a safe space to go for kids. So I can mm. see why parents wouldn't bring them to the theater. Sure. Um, with the Barbie crowd too, it's like doubly a bad time for people like you and me to go out to see the movies. Because <laughs> there's a lot of people like really into the Barbie stuff. Yeah, and, I've, uh, I've been working uh, lots of hours at the theater. You know, you, first you, weekend for Barbie was nuts. You you can tell these people don't go to the movies often, right? Because they they got to stop and take a picture in front of the poster. Mm-hmm. Uh, some theaters got the big Barbie box to take a picture inside of it. Yeah. But then they all like dress up and, uh, you know, like some of them, you're not, you don't have the body to dress like Barbie. Um, <laughs> probably shouldn't. And um, you don't have the body for Ken. You should have dressed up as Alan. <laughs> I don't have the hair to dress like Alan. <laughs> not you. I wasn't talking about you. Oh, the yes. The hypothetical just, you. <laughs> just a lot of people that dressed up as Ken. But yeah, there's there's a lot of people at Barbie where uh, when I went, somebody was taking pictures during the movie on their phone, and then like when the end credits started, like uh, a group of people to my right got on TikTok and started doing their reaction, like dancing to the fucking music at the end. Mm. So yeah, it was. Uh, I mean, other than that, during the movie, it wasn't too bad. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> it's interesting. Um, so, yeah, uh, we had, we didn't have the Barbie box, but we did have a creative display made by the staff. There's a big pink backdrop. It said Barbenheimer on it, and there was pink hearts and little bombs uh, over it. And then we had a big Oppenheimer style bomb in the forefront <laughs> that was basically a big exercise ball that was covered in uh, there's some sort of a plastic tubing um, and some wires and things to make it look like the, the bomb from the film. So it was pretty cool looking. I did not take a picture there. Needs, we you, need somebody else to do it. Did they make you uh, dress like Barbie? No, but it was encouraged if you wanted to wear pink or something. I saw a lot of that over the last couple of weeks where the uh, the staff was dressed in Barbie uh, garb. Mm-hmm. But uh, let's get down to the movie proper. As I was saying earlier, <laughs> uh, you know, men, you know, it's so feminist, you know, it's not for men. They're not going to like it. Well, they underestimated how much I like Ryan Gosling. So (laughs) he's literally me. But uh, no, I wasn't wasn't offended by the level of feminism, nor did I think the movie was some great masterpiece. Found it uh, 
amusing, fun popcorn fair for the summer. Uh, I laughed a decent amount. The truncated review is three stars. WTM eventually. <laughs> eventually. Um, there was uh, definitely some funny moments, I thought. There were some times where it got a bit preachy, but it's Barbie and it's directed by Greta Gerwig. And yeah. it definitely didn't warrant the, I mean, I don't watch Ben Shapiro, but, you know, I heard that he went on like some like 45 minute <laughs> rant about it and he destroyed Barbie dolls or something. I was like, well, that's a little much. <laughs> it was a little excessive. I, I didn't watch it either, but I definitely heard about that. But uh, I liked it too. I liked uh I laughed quite a bit. I thought it was a lot funnier than maybe one would expect. I actually appreciated some of the uh, the references, like the to Kubrick, uh, not just with the two thousand one reference at the beginning, but there was a uh, few other references later on that I I, I thought were kind of funny. Um, I liked the whole arc with Ken uh, going to the real world and realizing like that, like as a man, he is uh, very important just for being a man. And then he brings it back to the Barbie land. I thought that was hilarious. Um, yeah, the, even the though fish they, out of water stuff was was pretty funny. Even though they, they portrayed it as like the, the patriarchy, like there it felt like they were making fun of the idea just in general, while also kind of like, I don't know, I I, I guess they, they kind of mixed the signals with their messaging, because like, yeah, it's feminist in some ways, but at the end of the day, everything goes back to status quo, <laughs> you know? And uh, like, the patriarchy can just like, turn the, all the Barbies in a, in a single day and then uh, the Barbies can flip it against the Kens uh, in, in one night and everything's <laughs> back to normal. And um, I, I thought it was funny when they uh, went to the Mattel headquarters and all the executives were men, but they were all about like female empowerment and shit like that. <laughs> like the contradiction there. Um, clearly an exaggeration, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I, at the end of the day, I liked it. Uh, I gave it a three and a half out of five on Letterboxd, uh, which is an eventually. Eventually. I thought it felt to me like they did make a couple concessions to the men. And that was all I really wanted. There was one thing throughout the movie. I was like, as long as this one thing happens, I'll be fine with it. And it happened at the end. So I won't spoil it, but yeah, they make it. They throw us a little bone. Not much of one, but they throw us a little one. They didn't have to. It's Barbie. It's Greta Gerwig's movie. They could have just, you know, made something that was even preachier. <laughs> I mean, watch it, you could see like, well, they could have, yeah, they could have gone farther with this, which would have made it less funny. <laughs> but um, part of it, it was they're riding the fence because they're like, oh, Barbie made life way better for girls but also way worse sure and so they had to ride that line through a whole lot of it yeah i also thought it had some perfect casting i thought kate mckinnon was just perfect as a weird barbie basically 
not a fan of hers, but yeah, she did all right. <laughs> yeah, I'm not uh, like I liked her on SNL, especially like earlier in her SNL career. Like I couldn't give a fuck over the past six years or so. But you love the Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just love that movie. Ooh. But yeah, I really liked her casting. John Cena was fun, even though he has a smaller role, but that was fun. Uh, Michael Sarah was pretty fun as Alan. I didn't really know about Alan, so that was kind of... Yeah, I like uh, that they were throwing in these uh, one-off dolls that they discontinued. Like, they had Midge the pregnant doll. <laughs> <laughs> like, like at one point, the executives show up in uh, in Barbie Land and Will Farrell just runs into Midge and he's just like, holy shit, I think I'm ready you. <laughs> yeah. They, what were the other ones? They had one that was like uh Sugar Daddy, or it was like Sugar's Daddy. It was like he just yeah. had a dog named Sugar. <laughs> and then like uh the other one was like a stripper or a gigolo or something. Yeah. Yeah, I thought Margot Robbie was solid as Barbie, you know, did a great job. I guess Gosling sold it for me. He was funny enough to carry the the comedy for me. Yeah, I I agree. I, I thought they were both really not funny. that other people weren't funny, just well, they're the, the primary act uh characters, so like they gotta yeah. carry it. Gotta so. play off of somebody. So yeah, uh let's move on to the second part of Barbenheimer. Oppenheimer, directed of course by Christopher Nolan, starring Killian Murphy, starring everybody, <laughs> uh, Emily Blunt, Matt Damon, Robert Downey Jr., Alden Aaron. Uh, how do you say his name? Ehrenreich. 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 Scott Grimes, Jason Clark, Kurt Kohler. Tony Goldwyn, that dude doesn't age. He's looked Tony. the same as he did in Kiss the Girls in 97. He was in King Richard. Uh, I was trying to remember where they recognized him from, and he was well, he was in Plane, he was in King Richard. Mm-hmm. The Sixth Day. <laughs> well, King Richard, I think, is where I recognize him the most. Yeah, uh, out of recent movies, he was the uh, tennis coach. He's a very unique voice. Yes, uh, Kenneth, uh, the director, uh, Kenneth Branagh, is in here. Is that how you pronounce his name? He's on those stupid Branagh, yeah, Branagh or Branagh or Branagh. I don't know. What's the name of that character he plays in the Murder in Orient Express and Hercules Perot? Per- He's Perot. Got a- He's got a new one coming out. It's the haunting in Venice. A haunting in Venice. That's right. Did you see Death in the Nile? They explained why he has a mustache. <laughs> <laughs> they just shot that entire movie in a fucking green screen. I know it looks terrible. Oh, it's so bad. They spent they spent literally uh, about forty five minutes of screen time talking about why he has a mustache. <laughs> Uh, that might be a slight exaggeration. 
But it's still my hard Florence Pugh is in here. See a lot of Florence Pugh. <laughs> a lot of her. <laughs> Matthew Modine. Tom Conti. David Crumholtz. Benny Safty of the Safty Brothers fame. Minnesota's own Josh Hartnett. Oh, yeah? Mm-hmm. Rami Malik, which I kind of giggled when Rami Malik came on screen because I was like, oh, yeah, you won Best Actor, and then nobody's given a shit since. <laughs> yeah, it was funny because he had, like, uh, like, when he first comes on, he's just, like, a wacky. And then uh, you're like, why did he accept such a small role? <laughs> And then he does some stuff later, and they're like, oh, I guess they kind of important. Yeah, but it's not important enough for somebody who just won Best Actor within the past five years. It was kind of like in uh, No Time to Die. It's like, you're the villain. Why are you not in the movie? Shows up halfway in. You're in like 20 minutes. Well, technically, he's in the very beginning, but you don't see his face. True. He's wearing that mask, but yeah, he's barely in that movie. It's almost three hours. But uh, yeah, uh, Casey Affleck does show up. I can, I can understand why he's not, uh, doesn't have a bigger role. He's got a new movie coming out this week. I know, but Captain Marvel uh, shamed him on stage. Remember that? When he won his Oscar and she didn't uh, like congratulate him or give him a hug or shake his hand, whatever. I remember he got me too, and then he just kind of just brushed yeah. it off. Brie Larson was kind of standing there and scowling at him while he did his acceptance speech. That's just how she looks, though. <laughs> I'm I'm saying she won an Oscar for the movie Room because she played herself. <laughs> Oppenheimer was important for many reasons, but I don't know if it gets more important than realizing that James Remar is still alive. <laughs> he showed up. I was like, damn. We're going to get some F-bombs in here? Let's go. <laughs> it's the 40s. <laughs> he loves that word. <laughs> yeah. He, yeah. Problem is, I guess 40s is a little too early for that, for that kind of talk. He was, he was the Secretary of War. <laughs> well, no, not necessarily, but. Well, gay in the context. gay back then. In the, in the context of the uh, the show. Or, uh, gay, the gay was still happy in the 40s. True. So I, I doubt the F-bomb was, was used. I don't want to Google it in case somebody checks my <laughs> search history. Did you see, though, James Remar improvised the... Um, so so his one scene, he's the Secretary of War, and they're trying to decide where to drop the bombs. And he goes, uh, well, we're going to cross Kyoto off the list. Um <laughs> For its uh, cultural significance. Plus, me and my wife took our uh, honeymoon there. (laughs) (laughs) That was pretty funny. Uh, Synopsis. The story of American scientist J. Robert Oppenheimer and his role in the development of the atomic bomb. So it's three hours. You felt the runtime a little bit, but not too much. I thought it flew by. (laughs) I wouldn't say it it wasn't warranted. Of course, I, I, you know, you go in, you know, planning on it being three hours, so you kind of settle in. But compared to some other recent long movies, it didn't feel as long to me. After watching it, I kind of wondered, like, wow, I wonder if they even could have made it shorter. 
because it's a lot of info they try to throw at you. Yeah. There's the overlapping storylines jumping back and forth between you know the 30s and the 40s and even into the early 50s, I think. It's maybe about 51 where they're doing the, the security clearance hearing and the trying to confirm Strauss to the cabinet. I think the Strauss stuff was in the late 50s or early 60s. No, it was it was sometime in the 50s because it was uh there was a junior senator who voted <laughs> from Massachusetts. You. What was his name? Kennedy. <laughs> yeah, I believe it was so, about 50 yeah, or so, but the Strauss uh confirmation stuff I suppose it's not that necessary, but it kind of puts a bow on the story, I guess. Yeah. No, I I, I, didn't, I wouldn't say it was unnecessary or anything like that. I just was thinking about, God, could you make it shorter or not? Because it's a pretty big story. Yeah. Going into, you know, his academic history, his personal life, developing the bomb, how long it took. I don't think I even realized how many years they spent out in New Mexico trying to build this thing. Yeah. It was a long time, or how much money they spent on it. Holy shit. <laughs> yeah. The B word in the 40s, a B word. Yeah. I think it was two yeah. billion, he says, right? And we're not describing his wife. Hey oh. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you stand up for yourself? Why don't you fight? <laughs> should I put the sheets out? <laughs> or should I bring them in? <laughs> Yeah, I, I think the, the runtime is warranted. Obviously, it's not action-packed. You do, there's multiple explosions. There's one big one, of course, but there isn't much action, so to say. Performances were great, I thought. It was very nice to see Florence Pugh uh, without a black CGI dress. <laughs> Enjoyed that. Ooh! Well, I love to jump on hot bones. Mmm! Not not too excessive for your tastes. <laughs> no, never. Did the wife give you a little elbow to the ribs? Like I don't think she knows about my fascination with Florence Pugh. <laughs> She's never seen Lady Macbeth, so she probably doesn't know her. She has no basis for. <laughs> she has no context for my my infatuation with Miss Florence. Your love of watching her sit on a sofa for five minutes and not doing anything, <laughs> and then going to another room and sitting on a piece of furniture and not doing anything. <laughs> <laughs> Although I. You know, I'm not a big fan of the the nose ring thing she does in real life these days. No, she's she's uh, not done herself too many favors recently with her uh, fashion choices. Mm-hmm. I don't mind the short hair; she can pull it off, but I do prefer longer hair. That's just me. It's, it depends, <laughs> you know. The short and sassy, you gotta you gotta really uh, be a special person to pull that off. And you, you can't go too short. You, you got to have just like the, you know, the right balance there. Yeah, you know, Nolan famously doesn't use CGI, at least in this film. And then India is like, we're putting CGI in it. <laughs> the Saudi Arabia. Saudi, well, India too. I well, there is a few. Basically the entire Middle East. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, they didn't do it in China because they refused to put a black dress on anything. <laughs> I don't even get that. Is that a joke? Is that a reference to something? That they don't like black. Oh, I see. I see what you're saying. 
Because they take it off of the poster, you know. They would have put a white dress on her. <laughs> yes. Or um, <laughs> we'll leave it at that. Um, they were just happy that it wasn't Aquafina. <laughs> yeah, they were. <laughs> uh, they're too busy watching that Jackie Chan movie and making it number one. In the the world, number one Netflix. movie in the world. <laughs> now that I've caught up with WWE this week, I know that. Him and your boy, John Cena. just John Cena and Jackie Chan, number one movie in the world. <laughs> What's it called? Hidden something? Mm. Hidden Figures 2? <laughs> Electric Boogaloo? <laughs> it's a <laughs> Hidden Strike or something? Uh, let's see if I can find it. Uh, it had zero advertising. It's uh, on Netflix. And uh, nobody has seen it, but it's the number one movie in the world. I guess to kind of wrap up my review, performances are great. The visuals were spectacular. Audio was fine. I don't mind that he doesn't ADR it. He doesn't ADR it. You know, I haven't heard complaints about Oppenheimer, but, you know, he could have said that about 20 years ago when everybody was complaining about literally every other movie that he uh, put out. Can't hear what they're saying. It's because I don't ADR it, buddy. <laughs> yeah, I don't find it to be pretentious because during Tenet, he did say that uh, it's not as important to hear every word that they say, more so that you get a, a general feeling. He wants to convey feelings and get reactions out of the audience. You don't have to hear it verbatim. So I was like, okay, that's, that's fine. That's what I said. Wow. Not in so many words, but <laughs> when we talked about tenets, I said I liked it a lot. And you said, I don't understand because I can't hear what they're saying. No, but that's not always because I didn't hear it. Sometimes I those damn um, accents. You're all... <laughs> well, that because it was uh Kenneth Branagh or however you say his name. And uh um Michael Kane put on a weird accent too. <laughs> well, it was one of those things where I was I can't remember. I think I might have talked about it on the show, but I was distracted by something for like a couple of minutes. And it was right at that moment, kind of like the crux of everything that's going on. And I was like, shit, did I, did I miss something? And then I'm left wondering the rest of the movie, like maybe I missed something. Maybe I didn't. Cause then I watched it the second time. I was like, no, I, I had it the first time. It's just, <laughs> but anyway, Some of us saw it in the theater with no distractions. Cause there was nobody else there. <laughs> I went with two people, so there was, well, there was more because I was distracted by somebody. I think. Anyways, Oppenheimer. Speaking of people distracting me uh, during movies, Oppenheimer. I'm sitting there, middle. I'm in row E in the IMAX theater in Southdale, eleven to twelve, so the exact middle. E's much closer than you would like to be, but I like to. That's about the spot I like to be. Yeah, I think it goes down to like uh, L. I think L is kind of the, the back row, so that's uh, it's about a third of the way up from yeah. the screen. Mm-hmm. And this guy is walking down the stairs. I see him out of the corner of my out of the corner of my eye, and I look. You would think, okay, somebody's just going to the bathroom, but he had his popcorn and his soda with him, like it was full. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, I guess he could be walking out, but it was during a during the time where they're kind of like testing different explosives and bombs and like 
it was pretty fast paced at the time. Like it wasn't boring. Like if it was, you would, he would have left at a different time if he was bored. Yeah. And it's not like he objected to something on the screen. <laughs> so it was already past the floor in a few <laughs> scenes. He couldn't have been walking out. So I was like, is this guy really bringing all his concessions to the bathroom with him? But then I'm sitting there thinking for 30 seconds. It was like a Curb Your Enthusiasm like scene or something. Yeah. Like, what the fuck is that guy doing? And meanwhile, the movie's going and I'm missing it because I'm thinking about this, some rando that just, I don't know. <laughs> I notice these things and I can't get my mind to quit thinking about it. Was he stocky and bald? No, no. He okay. was tall and slim, wearing a hat. There's a there's a there's a guy who I run into at the uh, theater by my place. Sometimes he'll get up in the movie middle of the movie and just walk slowly down the stairs, stop at the bottom for a while, and stand there and watch. And then slowly go back to his seat in the back corner where he's got two seats fully reclined with the middle armrest up so he can lay sideways and play on his phone. So yeah, I, I'll, I'll just uh, give my rating now. So what happened to the guy? He just stood there? Or did he no, he, he walked out. But I was left thinking, back. where's he going? He's not walking out of the movie. If he's going to the bathroom, he's got all his, his food and drink with him, which That's seems weird. silly. That's very strange. But when there's strange behavior, I get nervous. <laughs> I start she's, overanalyzing it. She's then I miss something, say something. Yeah. <laughs> Luckily, there wasn't a lot of exposition, or I would have been shit out of luck, like Tenet. Yeah. They were just blowing shit up. So I didn't, you know, it wasn't hard to follow. <laughs> but yeah. I, like, I guess the only thing I could gather is maybe his popcorn was shitty and he was going to go get a refund or, you know, more popcorn or something. But this is like an hour in or something, you know? Yeah. That's so weird. People are so weird. If he was going to go refill his soda, why didn't he leave his popcorn there? Because it was like his popcorn was like full. I could see he, the heap of popcorn. He probably doesn't trust people, <laughs> but uh... it was full. I went to the 1030 a.m. screening. And it was damn near sold out. Only thing that was open was the first row. This is second weekend, so that's pretty good. When I went, I went the opening Saturday. It was completely sold out. Mm-hmm. Uh, was the there, there weren't twenty five empty seats? No, no was, <laughs> every seat was uh, occupied. The only the only available seats were the uh, floor space for wheelchairs. The Universal doesn't cook the books. Like Marvel and Disney. Barbie was a near sellout. There's, uh, I think, one or maybe a handful of empty seats around me uh, in my area. But uh, other than that, pretty much completely sold out. I was like five, at four o'clock on a Thursday at the Dolby. Uh, so I will give Oppenheimer a WTM soonish. Soonish. I gave it four stars on Letterboxd. Oppenheimer is the best movie I've seen all year. And that was fantastic. Every actor was terrific. Uh, Robert Downey Jr., if he doesn't win the Oscar, I'd be surprised. Um, Killian Murphy, he's going to be right there and running for it, too. Uh, 
I feel this is one of those years where Oppenheimer is going to be an Oscar favorite and I'll be backing an Oscar favorite for the first time in a long time. And uh, yeah, like I said, probably the best movie I've seen all year. And uh, I'm going to say WTM ASAP. Ooh, ASAP. That means now. See it before it leaves the IMAX screens. Yeah. Although that may be a while because uh, Gran Turismo got pushed back. I think that's what was going to take over, right? Possibly, but that would be a travesty. Yeah. But, um, all right. Uh, where do we get to next? Am I going or are you going? Uh, Maybe we should uh, nip the turtle talk in the bud. This is going kind of long. I, up to you. I can keep it short. Okay. Why don't you talk about turtles? And and your viral tweets. <laughs> yeah, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem from 2023. Uh, directed by Jeff Rowe and Kyler Spears. Starring the voices of Micah Abbey, Shaman Brown Jr., Nicholas Cantu, Brady Noon, Ayo Edabiri, Maya Rudolph, again John Cena, Jesus Christ, he's busy. Uh, everybody's favorite, Seth Rogen, Rose Byrne, Natasha Dimitriou, uh, John Carlo Esposito, Jackie Chan, Ice Cube, Paul Rudd, Post Malone, Hannibal Burris. I mean, there's a ton of people in this movie. Synopsis is, the film follows the Turtle Brothers as they work to earn the love of New York City while facing down an army of mutants. As I said in my uh, letterboxed review of this, it is the Teenage Mutant Zoomer Turtles. Mm. A very, uh, very current teenager uh, type of uh, stuff going on here. Uh, very uh, current slang that you may not know if you're an old guy like me, but... Uh, yeah, it's uh it's kind of an origin story. It's it's kind of their first time out on the surface and they have to uh kind of grow into their skills and it's all about being accepted for who they are. Mm. Along the way they meet April O'Neil who is now uh fat and friendless <laughs> and bitter and very nerdy. Leonardo has a huge crush on her. <laughs> you find out later that she's even like more of a loser than you initially thought. And like, he still is just like, like hard for her the entire movie. It's, I don't know. I, you might like as well he... have, you might as well have Olivia Coleman out there. <laughs> Don't let Stephen Mark hear that, or at least Steve. <laughs> she's a national treasure, from what I well, gather. She's, well, she's very young compared to Steve. So, <laughs> anyway, she doesn't look it though. <laughs> I, it's I don't know. It doesn't translate for an American audience, is what <laughs> I'm saying. But uh, so yeah, basically they have to stop. Um, 
the, the main villain in this uh, movie is Superfly, who is a mutant fly. He's played by Ice Cube. Ice Cube's fantastic. I, I, I'm a big fan of Ice Cube, just in general. I thought he was uh, one of the better parts of this movie. He has a, a kind of an army of other mutant animals, including Bebop and Rocksteady. Uh, they're all pretty useless. Uh, just <laughs> They don't know what to do with these other mutants and uh, you can kind of tell it it i when i was talking to you off air i i compared this movie to the batman whereas you know in the batman he's still learning how to be the batman so he goes in through the front door and he he's like crash lands and shit like that and he he doesn't know how to be like stealthy and like intelligent about stuff in this movie, like there's a there's a scene where there's a computer, there's there's a a machine that's going to uh, kill everybody, and it's run by a computer. And uh, you think Donatello, you know, he's the smart one. He'll go hack that computer and shut her down. No, he just hits it with his uh, staff bow uh, repeatedly, because <laughs> <laughs> that's that's what the smart one does. Mm. And they always go in through the front door, and they're not very good ninjas yet. Yeah, I don't know. It's it, it's okay. There's a few laughs in there. Like I said, the uh, Ice Cube is good, but overall, kind of a weak. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? A version of the turtle, not version, but uh, iteration. Sure, iteration. <laughs> That's not it. That's definitely not what I was looking for, but it's a it's a, a kind of a weak adaptation of the turtles. Um, oh, also Splinter is just a regular New York street rat who learns and teaches ninja skills from like videos. <laughs> <laughs> so they changed some backstory stuff, and um, it's okay. I. I, I I, I gave it a, a last resort. It's a last resort. I don't know. If you're a fan of the old turtles, it's probably going to be a little, you know, come up short as far as uh, expectations. If you're new to the turtles, you might like it. Younger kids might like it. All right. Uh, so I saw Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. From 2023, directed by Christopher McQuarrie, starring Tom Cruise, Haley Haley Atwell, Fing Rames, Simon Pegg, Rebecca Ferguson, Vanessa Kirby, Isai Morales. Is it Isai? Isai? Never seen that name on a Spanish person before. I have no idea. Essay? (laughs) Is it? I don't know. That'd be funny. Um, Palm Clementif, Henry Zerny, Shea Wiggum, Greg Tarzan Davis, Carrie Elwes, he's in here. I think that'll do it for cast. Synopsis, Ethan Hunt and his IMF team must track down a dangerous weapon before it, before it falls into the wrong hands. Up until this one, the Mission Impossible movies just kept on getting better and better with each entry. Starting with number four, four, five, and yep. six were fantastic. And then this one is still pretty good. I liked it, but 
I know it seemed like it's actually, you know, in the synopsis is a weapon, but really they chase a key that nobody knows what it does for the entire movie. A key that has two halves. So it's basically two keys that they're chasing around. They have to put together. (laughs) What does it do? I don't know, but it's important. So we must get it. (laughs) We think it controls this other thing that we don't know what it is. What's that? I have no idea. We'll find the out. En- the entity. Time. It's there's AI involved. I don't know. Algorithms. The bad guy is an algorithm. It's <laughs> just like Space Jam New Legacy. <laughs> I'm glad I didn't see Space Jam New Legacy. Its name is Algorithm. It programs uh HBO Max. Mm. You mean Max? I mean it it doesn't program Max. It it creates uh content for it. Or is it like WWF where it's like HBO Max at the time? (laughs) HBO Max. (laughs) Really what it does is it comes up with movie ideas for Warner Brothers just in general. (laughs) Is it like the Osimo 3000? The Osimo 3000. (laughs) It went with 500 movie ideas and 350 of them star Adam Sandler. But uh, it just felt like this one, I think, was hindered a bit by it being part one of two. I would have liked to have seen, I don't know, a complete movie. And it's pretty long as well. It's very long. It's the longest one in the franchise. Mm -hmm. It's about two hours, 45 minutes or so. Yeah. And uh, also, the (laughs) it's damn near a half hour before the intro, the the music drops, (laughs) the needle drop. I'm sitting there waiting for like, when the fuck is the music coming? Let's go. Give me that theme song. It's like a contest to see who can hold their nut the longest before (laughs) the the opening credits. Uh, Damn near had to be an intermission before the opening credits. (laughs) I think it's about 28 minutes or so. I figured it out. 28 or 29, but. But it used to be, what was the movie that was like that set the bar for that? Like, oh my God, it doesn't show the the title to like 20 minutes in and it was like such a like a novelty the departed kind of waited about a half hour or so before it it just it it didn't even need it it was just all of a sudden it was like the departed (laughs) it's like what i didn't even know we were getting like a theme song yeah that sets up the whole movie and then it's all of a sudden there's the the departed flies on the screen and the music starts you're like what that 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 might have been what I was thinking of because there was one there where it was like, like isn't that weird? Like how long they waited to put the title up there, <laughs> and now it's like every other movie is like that. If they don't wait till the end of the movie altogether, like sometimes they don't even show it up, show the title until the, the end credits start. Right. The newest Bond film took its sweet time getting to the Bond song. Yeah, it did. But it wasn't as long as this Mission Impossible one. No Time to Die waited probably 22 minutes, 24. It seemed longer than that, but it was like 22, 24 minutes. And the Mission Impossible one seems so long because there's like three or four different cold opens that they just jammed together. <laughs> right. Well, that they movie sucked anyways. <laughs> the what? That movie sucked anyways. Which one? Uh, no Time to Die. Well, I was talking about, well, I mentioned No Time to Die, but I was saying the Mission Impossible one, they jammed about four cold openings together. Oh, I thought you were still talking about James Bond. No Time to Die did as well, but I don't think it did it as much as Mission Impossible. (laughs) And the No Time to Die one did have a pretty decent action set piece. 
Um, there wasn't much great action in the beginning of Mission Impossible, I'd say. But, um, you know, that's not a requirement. As long as it gets to some great action. Yeah, they waited a long time to do the, the big stunt that they put in all of the advertising for it. It's like, yeah. yeah, I've seen this a million times in the trailer. Like, why are you waiting until the very last minute of the movie? <laughs> Not the last I, minute, but like at the very end of the movie is, is where they're showing this st- stunt. But it's like the entire advertising is built around it. I hate that they did that. They showed it so much. Yeah. Or they showed like the behind the scenes on it too. Yeah. I wish they wouldn't have done that. And right from the get go, I'm thinking, I don't care about the stunt. <laughs> like when they were first, when it first came out, I was like, so what? I was basically yeah. like, he's done plenty of stuff just like that. They're supposed to up the ante every time. Like I know Tom Cruise can only do so much, but seeing it in the film, there are more stakes to it and it does enhance because you don't really realize that the mountain isn't it isn't like a cliff he's jumping off of it's the side of a mountain he has to go you know he has to kind of launch himself so far away from the mountain so he doesn't kill himself falling you know right so he doesn't smack into the mountain but you don't really get that from the the promotion materials yeah also also he's trying to land on a moving train yeah another thing that they don't really inform you of in the trailer or the or the promotion for it so it, it it's it's a lot better in the film than it was leading up to it so i'll give it that but i did like some of the bigger stunts and some of the other mission impossible films better but uh there was some great action to be had here some great action some great fun to be had i thought it bordered on self-parody a little too much for yeah. my taste yeah there was definitely some comedic mo- uh moments you-, you told me about some people just laughing because tom cruise was running yeah, every time Tom Cruise ran, people were laughing. Like it was a Zoomer crowd laughing at memes. Yeah, there was a or, lot of like, anytime there's like a cliche, a cliche thing, like people were laughing at it. Yeah, there but, is one scene where he's running where it is played for laughs, but uh, there's plenty of other scenes where he's running. And you said they yeah. were laughing during those moments too. See, in my theater, they weren't. Yeah, it was pretty much anything that was like, uh, like is it a cliche or like a. Uh, like something that they do in all the the movies, mm-hmm. but uh, there's a, a very long car scene through Rome that's played for, for like almost exclusively played for laughs, mm-hmm. which they stole from a James Bond film, handcuffed to um, which what they stole it from a James Bond movie. I see. Tomorrow never dies. Oscar-winning actress Michelle Yeoh and Pierce Brosnan are handcuffed to each other you know, opposite hands and they have to ride a motorcycle. Mm. So she has to kind of sit in front of him, but look behind him because he, so he can put his right hand on the right side and left hand on the left. It's very hard to drive a BMW motorcycle with where you're handcuffed to another person. It's hard to drive a motorcycle with a boner. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, this is nineties, Michelle Yeoh. Have you seen that sketch? When his so. kids, you know, they have a song <laughs> where it's like it's hard to do something with a boner, and then just like a bunch of different stuff. And... <laughs> I tell you, I was offended at the implication that Haley Atwell could not drive mm. uh, because I thought that was a tired stereotype against women. <laughs> you were getting ready for Barbie. 
Also, they they went through like the same uh, path that the uh, chasing Fast X did. So mm-hmm. it was like I've already seen this car chase this year. So yeah. It felt very familiar. Yeah, and I think John Wick Four. There's that scene in Rome, right? Or is that Pat's Paris, right? That's Paris. John Wick Four, I think, was in Paris. Yeah. Okay. I think Inspector, one of the more recent, well, the two from two Bonds ago. I think he's in Rome. Him and Batista have that car chase sure yeah i think it's a common uh place to do action chases so yeah it's been a lot of stuff recently but it's funny that they ripped off that bond film action scene i i believe that is also paying homage to some other older movie which the name escapes me i, I think somebody mentioned on a podcast somewhere stuck on you <laughs> <laughs> this is pretty stuck on you this is in the 90s <laughs> Speaking of stuck on you, did you hear what Rudy Giuliani said about Matt Damon? No, I didn't. He called him the F word. <laughs> oh. And I'm like, so what? Matt Damon just found out last year that you're not allowed to say that anymore. So what is I thought that was a different word. I thought that was like the R word I, or something. I don't know. Well, I can't remember. Because he said he, he was doing a bit from the movie Stuck on You, which I haven't seen. <laughs> so I, I don't know what the bit was. Uh, and he's doing it for his his kid at home, and his kid's like, "Dad, you can't say that anymore." <laughs> he's like, "What do you mean you can't say that anymore?" I thought it was the F word, but maybe it was the R word. I don't know. There's a lot of words that you're not supposed to say anymore, right? It makes communicating very hard because it's like <laughs> I don't know what to say to get my meaning across without mixing signals here. Back to Mission Impossible. I did enjoy myself. It's always good to hang out with Ethan Hunt for a while. I think it does also set up a lot for part two. It has a chance to really pay off. But, um, you know, if it doesn't, then it's kind of like, well, (laughs) it just kind of lowers part one as well. They've been saying that they're going to make part two based on feedback from part one. So it's like they don't even have part two, like, written is... uh, what I'm getting out of that. Or right. it's not like uh it's not finished. Like they, they're they're waiting to see how people reacted to this one and then adjust accordingly. Well, originally, before the pandemic, when this was planned, they were gonna film parts one and two together. And obviously that got thrown out the window once COVID happened, you know, and Tom Cruise is yelling at people to adhere to the social distancing and all the protocols in place so they could get the first one finished. But I know they had done some stuff for two and I know they were already filming it like now, basically in between him flying over the world, promoting part one. Uh, Of course, production has stopped once again because of the strikes, Mm -hmm. but uh, uh, they always had like a, a plan in place. And in fact, the executives wanted to keep the submarine scene that's in the beginning for part two. Executives said, we need this in part two. <laughs> Tom Cruise was very adamant. and said, no, it's going to be in part one because I said so and I'm fucking Tom Cruise, damn it. Well, it's it's got to be in part one because if it's not in part one, you don't know why they're going after the key. Yeah. Now, I've also heard that the first cut of part one was four hours and they cut out quite a bit. Also, uh, apparently some of it was action stunts. So that leads me to believe that some of that's just going to be used in part two. Well, it sounds to me like Christopher McQuarrie wrote a miniseries instead of a movie. (laughs) 
Yeah, but if he um, even wrote. I don't know if he's the writer. I believe so. Um, so got I don't story. know. I, the idea of them these movies up, you know, it's like no. Like I said I I don't like the idea of them splitting the movies up. Just like assuming that people are gonna come back for the second one. You know, it's like just you can't just make one self-contained movie. I mean, yeah, I would have preferred a just a single installment, and then you could do an eighth one, just another film. I mean, you could have it- done like like parts five and six in Rogue Nation and Fallout because as Solomon Lane is the villain in Rogue Nation, and he's kind of back again in Fallout to a to a lesser extent. But he's a factor in it. Right. And so you could have done it something like that where the stories are connected very closely, but they are their very own separate entities and not right. the one that they're after in Dead Reckoning Part One. <laughs> the entity. This is the third franchise movie this year that has ended on a cliffhanger. <laughs> There's a lot of them. It's like, Jesus Christ. And then, like, the ones that. Like Fast X was supposed to be like, oh, we're gonna do two parts, and then when they premiere, they're like, Vin Diesel says, oh, no, we're doing it in three now. And uh, the other one was the Spider Verse movie. Everyone can blame Twilight and Harry Potter, Deathly Hollows Part yeah, One, Deathly Hollows Part Two, and then the Twilight Saga. God, what was it like Breaking Dawn Part One or? two or something yeah i i refuse to watch any of those movies yeah i haven't seen them. disgusting <laughs> but uh yeah there's still uh, plenty to like in mission impossible i really enjoyed Haley atwell um tom cruise is tom cruise there's some fun stuff on a train for the the last action sequence sequence is about 45 minutes so mm-hmm. you get your money's worth for action I will give it a watch this movie WTM eventually. Eventually. I agree with eventually. Eventually. There's a lot of stuff that they set up just to swerve later in the movie. Like there, there were a lot of swerves I felt. Like they, they made the the plot really complicated. But yeah, there, there's enough action and stuff to, to make up for some of the other things that they do that isn't as great. But it's definitely a step down over the last three movies. Yeah. Still worth seeing eventually. I would agree with that. I give it three and a half stars on Letterboxd. You gave it three, I believe. I give it three. So you watched Octopussy. You're back on the Bond bandwagon. And uh, so we'll talk about it now without spoilers. And then we'll kind of wrap up the show. And then we'll talk more in depth on Octopussy with spoilers. In case you haven't seen this gem from 40 years ago. <laughs> you know, in context, Octopussy doesn't sound as uh, dirty. Oh, uh, I beg to differ. <laughs> <laughs> well, especially when she says, my dad used to call me his little octopussy. That is uh, <laughs> well, exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> I completely forgot about that. I wanted to go, what? I had to rewind it. Now what that I say that out loud. No, I said it out loud. But there's like octopus there, and she... yeah. And anyways. <laughs> anyways, still, it's not an excuse for a dad to call his daughter an octopusy. I, I swear, 
in, in the movie, it, it didn't sound as dirty. <laughs> My little octopusy. <laughs> Anyways, octopusy from 1983. Uh, directed by John Glenn, the astronaut. <laughs> he had the right stuff. <laughs> All of it. <laughs> I it's probably not John Glenn the astronaut. It's probably a different John Glenn. It is. He's, he's done some other Bond films as well. Uh starring Roger Moore, Maud Adams, uh Louis Jordan or Louis Jordan, uh Christina Wayborn, Kabir Badi, Stephen Burkoff, the Meyer twins. I don't even remember their twins being in there, to be honest. Oh, wait, yeah, I do. They're in the circus. They're the knife throwers. Uh, Desmond Llewellyn, Robert Brown, Lois Maxwell, uh, Michaela Clavel, Walter Gotel, VJ R. Amritraj. That's <laughs> probably enough. Uh, synopsis A fake Fabergé egg and a fellow agent's death lead James Bond to uncover an international jewel smuggling operation. Headed by the mysterious Octopussy being used to disguise a nuclear attack on NATO forces. Yeah, so uh, Roger Moore looks old as fuck. Mm-hmm. He is. Um, he's about 55 shit, in this film. He, he looks like he's 70. <laughs> Word of God. I thought he Moves was like it, too. I thought he was 70 years old at the time. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, he's he makes a quick stop in Cuba um, to destroy their air force, mm-hmm. um, and then he heads to India where he runs into every Indian stereotype you could imagine. Sure, snake charmers, sword swallers, uh, hot coal walkers. Were um, you surprised that the snake charmer knew who Bond was and what his theme music is? <laughs> well, he he did say. <laughs> That uh, he didn't like snakes, so it was a it was a bad cover for him. Mm. I should have picked a better cover. I hate snakes. And then he just lets the cobra go loose. They were just riding Indiana Jones's coattails at that point. Well, that's what I thought. Uh, but Last Crusade came, or not Last Crusade. Temple of Doom came out the year after this. Yeah, but Raiders of the Lost Ark came out before, and you know I hate snakes. I hate them, and you know it's a running joke in there. I hate snakes. Yes. Yes, there's that. But like, for dinner, that was uh, that was something that happened. There's a scene of James Bond swinging on vines, doing a Tarzan yell. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, this is one of the dumbest Bond movies <laughs> I've seen. It sure is. It was just saying a lot because this they've been to space, <laughs> among other things. <laughs> And who thought that going to India would be like the the bridge too far? <laughs> I don't know. It's uh, yeah. So there's there's a lot of stuff in that, and then uh, you know there's a there's an all woman cult lead led by a woman named Octopussy. Did you recognize her? Did you recognize Maude Adams? The name is familiar. I don't know where I would know her from though. She is a Bond girl before she was a. Kind of a like it's the second Bond girl kind of in uh the man with the golden gun. Oh, that's right. Okay. He slaps her around a little bit. 
That was nine years beforehand. Mm-hmm. And she's technically in A View to a Kill. She's a, an extra. She was just on set for a day visiting. She was good friends with the Broccoli's and whatnot. And they were big fans of her because obviously they already put her in two movies. They were big fans of her beauty and uh, wanted to showcase her an octopusy. I think it may have told you that I think my earliest memory of Bond was, I don't know, I was probably like two or three. And I just remember that my parents were, we were at like a hotel, like on a trip or something. And there was like, it was like a softball trip. Like my dad used to play softball mm. and uh, there was a, another couple that were in the room and I think they were all watching Moonraker on the TV. And, but Octopussy is the first Bond film I really actually remember watching because I was probably about four at the time. And I was very scared with the opening, those knife throwers going after that clown scared the hell out of me what's why are they trying to kill this clown oh i thought you meant the fake horse ass (laughs) (laughs) that was after that after that after one of the worst uh bond theme songs played yeah the rita coolidge all-time high is terrible (laughs) bottom bottom three for me bottom three bad but yeah that that scene where they they're chasing the clown and it's silent. Like there's no backup backing uh music. Yeah, that was pretty intense. And then like from there on out, it's like they made the movie for four year olds. <laughs> I did like it quite a bit as a kid. It does not hold up after watching it. Um again I, I guess I revisited it probably five to ten years ago. And then again for this, I was showing my wife all the Bond movies basically. She really likes Roger Moore. Uh, she did not care for this one, and I do not blame her. It's my least favorite Roger Moore Bond film, and probably I, I, I had a ranking I tweeted out, or if you follow me on Letterboxd at Eric underscore Mulder, you can see it, but it is not rated high. It is near the bottom. Not a big fan of Octopussy anymore. Yeah. Uh, there's still things to like, but I do like that intro. The the cold open, I think, is fun. With uh, Fidel, uh Bootleg Fidel looking down <laughs> yeah. that woman's bootleg, yeah. <laughs> bootleg Fidel, that's good. And there's some other things to enjoy throughout uh, his ad- adventures in India, but it's just, I don't know. And like, especially growing up, like I really love that saw, that saw blade thing. Oh, yeah. That the one assassin has. That thing was fucking cool when you were a little kid. Yeah. Very scary. Everything was scary about Octopussy when you're four. What is it uh, in the in the car chase when the guy's like uh, when he does the wheelie? I don't remember. He says something. It's like this. Bond makes some comment about the car being you know slow or whatever, and he's like, "Well, this got like curry power or something like that." I don't remember <laughs> what he says. He does he does a wheelie with it, and then uh, Bond throws a bunch of money at the peasants to block the car that's chasing them. <laughs> Which is kind of racist. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, yeah, I mean it's it's one of the goofier movies. Um, Roger Moore looks ancient in these in yeah. this one, and it's kind of all over the place because like they do all this stuff in India, and then like 
after like an hour of that, they start going to the circus in Germany. And um well, you can't take Bond seriously when he's wearing clown makeup, right? <laughs> but uh yeah, yeah, I give it a last, but it's a it's a last resort. It's a last resort. Uh, I would agree. It's a last resort. Can't remember if I gave it two and a half or two stars, but it's it is definitely a last resort for me. Is there any, much you even want to talk about in spoilers? I was kind of thinking, like, I, I'm not sure if I have anything to talk about that would be spoilery. Like, the only thing that we didn't talk about was him jumping on a plane, like, on the top of a plane at the end, yeah. and he fights a guy. I mean, I think that's that's fun, but uh, it wasn't, like, as cool as I remember, like, when you were <laughs> when I was a kid, you know? They cut it uh, creatively to show it. It was like a Liam Neeson going over a fence. You know, there's mm-hmm. uh, it's like, here he is on the ground jumping, and oh, he's already on top of it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. We don't have to go too in deep, uh, in, in depth with it. There's not much to do. Like, I mean, he's got the, the fake Fabergé egg, which like, I don't get the big deal about the Fabergé eggs. I've never understood like that, but another problem with the movie is it's way too convoluted with the plot. Yeah. It's like okay, they're okay, so they they're making these fake replicas of these real valuable Fabergé eggs and other things yeah. like that. And then they're selling them, but then like okay, are they selling the fake ones and then putting the real ones back <laughs> for this? <laughs> and then they're pocketing the money to pay for like kind of a, a pro or not a proxy, but like a kind of an illegal military operation that they want to fund with it. it was, uh, yeah. It was, it was weird. kind of like an offshoot of the Soviet union that I think they want to, they want to kind of take over Europe. Right. Yeah. There's like a Russian East German coalition. There was <laughs> like a, like a socialist European coalition and they want to invade Poland. Was it Poland and Czechoslovakia? I forget. Like they basically want to take over Europe, but then they're they're worried that NATO is going to stop them, and so they have to set off a nuke, but make it look like the Americans did it. It's it's very convoluted. Yes, octopusy uh, and her culture involved because they're good at smuggling, right? So they're using her to smuggle <laughs> these valuable eggs and other artifacts and whatnot. Yeah. It's like, wait, what is all of this? This is so <laughs> convoluted. It's hard to follow. And it, I mean, th- that's that's a problem with several Bond movies, if not all of them. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of convoluted plots, but this one just is so weird. It's just confusing. And, you can't, like, if you stop to think about it, it's very hard to figure out what exactly is going on verbatim, you know, from soup to nuts, everything. You could, it's hard to figure out everything that's going on. Well, and usually they can cover that up with the other stuff they're doing it, but like, yeah, you just like made a fucking comedy, uh, <laughs> like the like a tiger jumps out of the woods at him and he tells it to sit down and it does. <laughs> <laughs> like, what are you doing? What is this? <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's just one of the the more bizarre Bond yeah. movies, and A View to a Kill. Is dare I say more ridiculous? I mean, he's another two years older, and he doesn't leave Pinewood Studios. 
uh, Roger Moore. He's they do rear projection for everything and stunt doubles for everything. And but um, dare I say it is ten times as entertaining as Octopussy. I think you'll enjoy it. So right. look forward to that. But that's neither here nor there because you're not watching a view to a kill for next episode. You're challenging me to watch something. Yes. Yes, and I'm going to challenge you to watch 1971's The Abominable Dr. Fibes. Mm, it's a mouthful. It is, starring uh, one Vincent Price okay. in a very flamboyant role. <laughs> is there any other kind? <laughs> All right, well, yeah, so as I kind of stated, we're not going to have a spoiler section after the the wrap-up so yeah i guess we'll just kind of wrap up the show if people feel so inclined where they where can they buy some lovely wtm merchandise head on over to wtm watch this movie dot creator dash spring dot com that's right you can reach out to us you can email us at watch this movie at yahoo.com follow us on twitter at watch this underscore movie or bread at positively both one which is which is also his letterbox profile. Mine is under Eric underscore Mulder. We recently moved to Podbean, so our website wtmwatchthismovie.com still works, but you cannot get the podcast from there. Uh, it is on Podbean. Although there are no bells and whistles on our Podbean website, so just uh, stay tuned for developments on the website front. But uh, you can find us pretty much anywhere podcasts are listened to or downloaded or found. We're on Apple Podcasts. No longer Stitcher, I guess. Is that is it finally done uh, now? I think Stitcher for maybe another half a month. Maybe. Okay. Uh, yeah, get a new app. Get rid of Stitcher. <laughs> Stitcher, yeah. Stitcher is uh, not going to be available, period. Yeah. Uh, we are on Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, around plenty of stuff. So find us there. We will check you later. Guess we'll see you around. All right, check you later. Bye. Wait, man, why are you always such a dork, man? What are you talking check about? Check you later. Check you later. <laughs> hey, man, you off my case.